welcome to VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. Uh, and Happy New Year to all listeners. Uh, I hope you had a good Christmas break. We are halfway through January now, and so it probably feels like, what are you, what are you saying? Um, but it's the first podcast this year, and actually Phil, for the first podcast, has insisted I sit in the same room as him. Uh, he's promised me he has no bugs, no COVID, and that it's safe <laughs> to come in and talk to him. So here I am, sitting with Phil. Hi, Phil. Hi there, Andrew. Very nice to chat again. God, you know, I was just thinking when our last podcast was, and it was, you know, it was like what, nearly a month ago now. So, yeah. It was a wee while ago. Uh, and, I mean, a bit has happened, but not an awful lot. Uh, the geopolitics, which certainly plays a lot on my mind, because I, I feel we are certainly seeing the reversal of uh, global trends and global trade, free global trade and all that sort of thing, which has massive impacts on all sorts of things, uh, is playing out very much the way that I've been forecasting now for actually about seven years. Um, so, uh, but we don't want to get into that debate. If anybody wants to know my views on that, then feel free to contact me directly. Uh, I mean, one of the things that caught my eye, of course, we start the year off with the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Yep. Um, we don't go to it. it. It sounds a really exciting event. In Las Vegas, you've got to be having fun. Um, but the timing isn't that great, and really, we've got no excuse. Uh, but one of the things that actually caught my eye, Phil, from that, uh, and has a few other ideas, is because I've been talking to a few people about this. BT have this division that is looking at all their assets and what they could do with them. And they've come up with this idea, obviously, that they could take their little green boxes that you see at the end of every road with all their you know, telephone lines and everything, which obviously have an electrical supply, and turn them into charging points for EVs. Sounds like quite a good idea, but actually, why not just use lampposts? Uh, dogs have been doing that for years. Ah, sorry, that's a slightly different reason. Uh, but I mean, you know, we know that an EV charging point in a lamppost works actually exceptionally well. Most streets now do have a few. The problem is it takes forever to get your local council to do it. And, yeah. you know, why not just roll it out? That solves the whole problem. Uh, but I thought it was interesting... Um, that you know they were discussing that idea and that BT has all these legacy assets which aren't being used closely. The other thing, of course, this year, we could hardly start off a tech and transitional edgy podcast without discussing the post office because, of course, Horizon, Fujitsu, that is technology and they got it all wrong. Clearly, the film, you know, Alan Bates where the post office has been fascinating and, of course, it's absolutely stirred up public anger, quite correctly so, by the way. And... Uh, there's a lot of interesting implications that come off the back of that, actually, of course. And that is that, you know, the post office was effectively bullying people. It had more money than these poor little sub postmasters um, who, you know, didn't have money, couldn't take them to court, if you see what I mean. Um, and I think there's going to be a new sort of phrase coming out in the legal world, which is you're doing a post office, which is where... We all know the rich and the big corporations, if you, if you have a dispute with them, they just out-money you. You know, they say, right, we'll go to court. That'll cost you hundreds of thousands of pounds. You can't afford it. And so you give up and you surrender. That is doing a post office. I think that in the future, people might, might not be allowed to do a post office. The law needs to change a little bit. One other point also, I'm just tying in, the, you know, the post office, British Telecom, it's all sort of the same sort of thing, basically. Uh, I was talking to a lot of people, you know, still this massive shout in the city at the moment. Now, how the hell do we revive the city? How do we get IPOs going? How do we get people interested in the stock market again? How do we get pension funds investing in equities again? 
etc, etc. We know it's a massive problem. We know the government doesn't understand it. Jeremy Hunt, he's a lovely man, I'm sure, but as Chancellor, it'd be bloody useful to have a Chancellor who actually understood how business worked. Um, but he hasn't got a clue. hasn't got a clue on economics, hasn't got a clue on business. <laughs> Quite extraordinary. Anyway, but just one thing I was reminding people, and this is a way of getting activity going again, is people have sort of forgotten, you know, when the British Telecom float took place in December 1984, sadly that's telling you how old I am because I was actually in the market there. This is my 40th year in the market. Uh, it came along partly paid. Um, so um, the interesting thing there was it was a 160p IPO price, but you only had to stump up, uh, I think it was 50p or 40p, I can't remember exactly. But of course, what it meant was your, your gearing, uh, if it opened up sort of 10p sort of thing, instead of being, um, I think it was opened up more than that, about 30p. But instead of being like a 15% return, you got more like a sort of 70% return. Now that gets the punter excited, particularly when he knows because the institutions didn't get allocated, the institutions yeah. come in and buy it. So we need to maybe think about, can we reinvigorate the partly paid IPO? Um, it would help also if we went back to renounceable allotment letters and things. It was amazing how in the days of paper, transactions actually settled and happened quicker than in today's world with all this electronics. Something a bit strange there. But it's also a bit like, you know, the cost to a private, private investor, the cost of actually dealing has gone up since the internet yeah. came along rather than gone down um you know actually there's something wrong with the system well the system what's wrong with the system of course the fca has got it all wrong it's just it's creating the safest graveyard as we all know anyway uh that's my sort of little uh introduction and rant trying to be a bit of a positive rant i was told that last year i was starting to get really really <laughs> negative oh, but that's no. purely because everything was yeah. going wrong you know uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and things are still going horribly wrong. Um, but there you go. We don't really want to go down that route, do we? Um, so uh, have you got any sort of introduction for the year, Philip? What were your thoughts well, over Christmas? Or were they all just about, you know, Father Christmas well, coming down the chimney? And... Yeah, about last, well, they were that kind of thing. I, I, just years ago, I remember I sent a letter up the chimney but, um, and to Santa Claus. And I was asking for a bicolelic, which I was reminded when my letter was later found, cleaning out the fireplace, that I'd misspelt bicycle, but I didn't get one. So there we are. There was a lesson. A bicolelic? Yes. Yes, indeed. I quite like that. Actually. <laughs> it's sort of an EV bike, a bike electric. Uh, a bicolelic. Yeah. Ahead, ahead of my time. So, so no, I was just reading Tesco's uh, results. Well, some good results from retailers this morning, actually, looking at Tesco's and looking at Marks and Spencer's. But but moving that on, that wasn't any old trading statement. That was a no, Marks that, Spencer that, that trading was, statement. That was a that was a bit of a corker, wasn't it? That, yeah. That's a joke, by the way. Supposed to <laughs> yeah, that's a very good one. But um, right, so you're looking at the but, wrong sector. Uh, going back sec to tech and trans, which is where you're supposed to be an analyst. Let's get on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get on to transitional energy. Um, and a report from the International Energy Authority, the IEA. Um, and that was saying that renewable energy capacity um, added uh, to energy systems around the world grew by 50% during 2023 to almost 510 gigawatts. And just put that into perspective, UK generation this morning was 42 gigawatts. So it grew by 50% last year. Um, largest growth was in China with uh, solar power. Uh, accounting for the, the greater proportion of that. Um, and wind power ads in China grew by 66%, but the IEA reported very strong growth across Europe and the US. Um, and they're looking, the overall target is for renewables to grow to triple by 2030. 
Um, so by growing, you know, and estimate that at the moment we're on track to grow by two and a half times. But it just shows the momentum in terms of transitional energy um, continue through last year. I think most people know that I believe that 80% of the world's energy will come from SWB by 2030 or so, 2035, I don't know. SWB being solar, wind and batteries, uh, which made me laugh this morning when the government came out and said, yes, you know what, we're going to spend billions and billions of pounds building some nuclear power That's stations right, by yeah. 2050. Yep. Government, by 2050, we won't need a nuclear power station. Everything will be SWB. The, the, the marginal cost of energy will be zero. Um, someone put this government in its place. It hasn't got a bloody clue. Uh, but then nor is the other one. I mean, no politician has got a clue. I mean, you know, in France, they've summed it up. They, they elect a prime minister who's only 34 years old. I mean, what experience does he have for running an entire country? It is laughable. Um, this is why, unfortunately, I'm quite negative on the whole world, because you either go the dictator route of, you know, Russia and China and North Korea yeah. and Iran, which clearly doesn't work, or you go to this Western democracy world, which has also gone horrifically wrong and clearly doesn't work. I don't know where we go. But anyway, I thought you were going to kick off, actually, oh, the semiconductor was... industry, because actually well, the reports coming out of the semiconductor yes. industry are that although the numbers don't look great, they're better than analyst expectations. And we're starting to see a bit of a pickup there, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are. We, it does seem like that. Yeah, with reports from Samsung and TSMC. Um, the Samsung's a little bit different in, the, in terms of its product mix. It makes a lot of memory chips, so particularly DRAMs and flash memory. Um, and they are, you know, exposed to the smartphone market and the PC market. Of course, we saw lots of growth in that during COVID. That all slowed down, but there was lots of overstocking. That had to unwind in terms of inventory. So even though Samsung reported that it's seen a, a 30% drop in its fourth quarter operating profit, particularly uh, impacted by smartphone and TV, it's expecting more of a pickup from AI-related, um, you know, driven revenues going ahead. So, so yeah, you're right. There's a bit of a turn there. And also the same with sort of TSMC. And TSMC um, supplies, so looking at chips, founded in Taiwan to NVIDIA, particularly to Apple, but AMD. And again, they're looking to AI to drive uh, to drive growth. And artificial intelligence, by the way, nature it works, uses loads and loads of memory capacity, but also processing horsepower, which is what TSMC provides. So, yeah, a little bit, I would say, on the on the mm. turn after the great unwinding. I think as I get older, I probably need some of my memory chips replacing in my head. <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. We won't go there. Uh, yeah, so that was I thought that was that was pretty good, but you know, and quite a bit's been forecast by the market as well. We saw the you know the bounce in the Nasdaq last year, um, and heavily driven by I think you know companies like Nvidia well, it was up by something like forty percent last year. That's like having fallen off in the prior year. So, so let let's see what happens going ahead. But certainly looking better, and also sticking with AI, uh, there was a trading update from Dark Trace. Yeah, I saw that this morning. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, so this is AI-driven cybersecurity. Um, Dark Trace ticker is DARK, 2.3 billion market cap. Um, and this was the first half of December trading update. And the result of the trading, the, the growth, the improvement in trading that they're seeing, in sales growth in particular, uh, they have upped their guidance. Um, and they said that, so the first half sales expect to be about $330 million. Uh, growth of 27%, um, but very importantly, you know, revenue, vanity, profit, sanity, and all that. 
Uh, they're expecting the adjusted EBITDA margins to be the top end of expectations guidance, which was previously 17% to 19%. Um, and that they're now saying, looking ahead for their full fiscal year, they're expecting growth of 23% to 24.5%. Um, and operating margins of 18 to 20% compared with 17 to 19. So going very, very well for uh, for Dark Trace and its demand for cybersecurity. And that gets back to what you were saying about global geopolitics uh, and what is happening in the threats in cyber and, you know, uh, bad actors, as they say, trying to penetrate systems. But uh, yeah, that was a good good positive trading update for Dark Trace there. Yeah, it was. Keep going. You're on the results page. I, I can see that. I'm you, you know, and I'm sticking with AI. This is a company that we mentioned um, last year called Winwood. Uh, ticker is WNWD, 75 million market cap. Shares are up 17% today. Mm. Um, and they provide, it's Israeli-based, and it's uh, artificial intelligence in relation to shipping. So this is giving me information on uh, vessel expected arrival times, um, predicted arrival times using AI, insights into ports and terminals. I guess that's loadings, unloadings. Um, they look at compliance, business intelligence, trade-based money laundering. So all sorts of information related into the shipping markets. There's a trading update for their full year, and they're expecting their contract value to be up by 35% to 35 just on 35 million dollars uh, and their revenues up by 30 percent um losses reducing there the company's got a said it said it's well capitalized that cash balance of 17 million dollars so um definitely things on the turn it has clients that include people like bp and shell so its client numbers improve from 132 clients to 200 so so some real momentum there uh, behind it i'm Given, you know, it's quite an interesting one, this, because I was thinking, look at all the shipping news we're seeing at the moment, what's happening in the Red Sea, shipping being diverted, different, you know, you'll see port loadings changing as a result of that. So quite a sort of underlying drivers for that as well. So that's windward. Maybe they should get into the aviation market and then they could produce software that tells you when the blooming BA flights are going to take off and land. Be quite a valuable piece of IT, I think. I mean, on that, for what it's worth, I think yeah. British Airways is so far behind in its IT systems particularly compared, for instance, to the uh, American carriers, believe it or not, who have amazing IT systems you now. You were telling me about that when you were um, yeah. Uh, uh, but also, I mean, you know, the Asian carriers, the Middle Eastern carriers, British Airways is way behind. I think they need to spend one or two billion pounds on their IT systems over the next 10 years yeah. because they are so far behind. Um, for what it's worth, obviously, you'd have to run that through the P&L, and that's like 100 to 200 million yeah. pound cost every year for 10 years. Yeah. That's probably why they don't do it. It's going to come out the P&L, but they need to do it. Anyway, that's a complete nut of red herring. Carry on. Yeah, so we better stick off airlines this week, Andrew, given yeah. events at Boeing. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to go on a 737 Max at the moment, would you? I love some things. Oh, yes, there were a few bolts that were loose. That's why the window flew open. Um, not good for <laughs> Boeing. Anyway, back to, let's get back on to cybersecurity. Um, companies intercede. I think it was IGP. Uh, 54 million market cap, um, and there it's UK-based uh, cybersecurity software. They have come out with a trading update, and they've said that, that they're expecting to exceed market expectations for the full year 2024. Um, and this is after securing uh, securing a new client with the US intelligence community. 
Um, they've been awarded a million dollar license agreement from US intelligence, undisclosed client uh, operating in the US. Um, and it says, we now expect financial performance to be ahead of market expectations for full year of 2024. And it's existing forecasts are for 18 million of revenue uh, and 5.2 million of adjusted earnings of EBITDA. That's a high EBITDA margin there. So that is intercede um, and for many market cap. And sticking with cybersecurity, some themes here, Andrew. Uh, let's get on to defense. Uh, Filtronic. A little smaller one that we talked about quite a lot in this podcast or previously, uh, particularly is FTC. Uh, they've announced that they've won a 4.5 million um, contract for radio frequency modules. Uh, Filtronic has long been listed. It's electronics for defense systems, things like electro, um, like uh, well, it's radio frequency, so it's going to be electronic warfare primarily. Um, you know, for the Navy, but also for the Air Force. Um, so they won a four and a half million pound contract starting in January of 24. Uh, delivery, final delivery in um, at the end of the year. Uh, so that I think that gave a bit of a flip to the share price anyway. So that was that was good news for them. Um, you know, areas of structural growth, cyber, we'll get warfare, but uh, mental health. Ah, mental health. Mental health. Cooth. Cooth, yeah. Cooth. Cooth is very interesting. 109 mini market cap. Ticker is uh, K-O-O-T-H. The shares are up 90% over the last 12 months. One that we have discussed on a number of occasions on this podcast. Um, And Cooth, it's digital mental health. Um, Basically, it's, it's, it's software that allows mental health sufferers to to interact um, and it helps and it's used by the health services and it helps them to uh, make early interventions for treatment. Um, they announced in July last year and further in September that they won a contract in California for their digital mental health platform um, and it's called Saluna and it offers California's 6 million 13 to 25 year olds free access to one-on-one professional support. Um, and there was an announcement this that this week that actually in January the product that software product was finally launched in California. Um, and as previously indicated, this contract is expected of a value of 188 million dollars through to June 2027. Really interesting company, Keith. Yeah, it's definitely on my radar, Keith. Um, as you say, it was a phenomenal performer last year. Um, I did see the management present at a Tosca afternoon Um, and it was pretty impressive. So yeah, I'm sort of, it's definitely on my radar, that one. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing all the good news first, aren't you? Come on, a bit more good news, (laughs) do a bit more good news. We like good news. I know there is one world that's got a bit of good news. Come on, it's the start of the year, Andrew. Let's start off in a good, in a, in a, in a good mood. Um, I, I guess I'd better be remiss of me not to mention, actually, a, a client of ours, which is Equipmake, uh, ticker is EQIP, uh, this is on Aquis, uh, market cap's about £80 million, pounds. Um, and Equipmake uh, specialises in, uh, you know, it's developed and has very strong IP in electric motors and inverters, control software, battery management, this is for vehicle electrification. Um, and they had a little announcement this week that they've uh, they had a contract to provide electric platforms for double-decker buses um, in London. This is with big bus tours. The original contract is 1.5 million. It's been increased 
uh, to provide electric systems for 20 buses to 3.5 uh, million. But it's an, look, it is a client, but it's an exciting, you know, we think it's an exciting company. They've got really, really strong IP. Uh, they announced in October last year that they're on a project, joint project with Perkins, who are part of Caterpillar. Um, and this is to develop hybrid systems, electric systems for off-road vehicles, particularly for construction and mining. Um, and the project's been awarded 11 million in, uh, in grants. But, you know, for us, it's verification of uh, equipment, strength of technology. Um, and we're forecasting high growth for this business in terms of its, um, you know, in terms of its revenues and move into profits uh, into 2026. I mean, so... You know, if we look, it's got order books already of 9.2 million, uh, and we're estimating revenues this year of 13.4 million, and that to increase to 24 million. Um, well, they've got their interims you know. next week, actually, yeah. next so Thursday. So let's hold your forecast. Yeah, let's see what they say till then, Phil, exactly. shall we? Um, but I mean, one yeah. of the points I'll just make on that is, you know, 20 buses is great news for equipment. They obviously have also a, a deal they did with First Group uh, in York, where yeah. the buses are going really well outperforming expectations and so we're sort of hopeful that first group will yeah. say actually go and do a load of our buses you think how many buses are on the road in the uk 20 is just a tiny part of it yeah but then also think about the number of buses or coaches that are out in north america as well that all do with being converted because you're never going to switch all your internal combustion engine or diesel buses to new EVs. There is clearly a massive conversion capability to be done. Um, Equipmate have the IP to this. Really watch the happen, of course, is that somebody should come along and say, you know, give us your IP or work with us. We can actually win the contracts that do thousands of buses. Then you've got an absolute cracker at the stop. Anyway, there more was, next week because yeah. the interims will be out next week. So. Absolutely. Right. So that's all the positive news. Got to balance the podcast, don't we, Andrew? Yeah, come on. I I, I know a couple of bad ones. Oh, so. Go on, then. Right, Sondrell. No, uh, Sondrell, yeah. Oh, poor Sondrell. So this is a fabulous semiconductor business. Um, so it's a good chip. It's the design house. It's for application-specific integrated circuits. And these are the sort of circuits that are, you know, they're custom designs for large OEM customers. When you design in, it's fabulous. The projects can run for years. But, you know, there's a lot of work in terms of development that needs to be done. Um, there are also milestones for developments that need to be paid for. Um, and they reported that, um, you know, they've got a tier one automotive customer that they're doing work for. There's been a delay in payments um, for, for projects. And, you know, because of those delays in payments, they've had to ask their staff um, to delay taking their own pay and senior management have deferred their salaries and they are seeking extra funding. Um, and that has been a very unfortunate situation for this Squeaky UK. pants time, I think that's called. That is unfortunately something like that, it's fair to say. So that was uh, not good news for Sondrell and we wish them all the best because, you know, it's a UK tech company and needs supporting. So we also had we had a, a bit of a warning from Mark's Electrical. I don't know if you spotted that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's that was obviously a bit disappointing. But the one, the other one that actually caught my eye, uh, where there was uh, a slight warning, um, was Oxford Nanopore. Now the reason that caught my eye is I'm not involved with Oxford Nanopore. 
but I am always talking correct about oh, IP, IP Group. Group. Yeah. And yeah. of course, that's their biggest holding. So it's very bad news for IP Group. And part of the argument that I keep telling people, but no one listens, who listens to me? Well, anybody listening to this podcast. Yeah, to me, so thank you very much. Um, but of course, yeah. IP Group keep buying in shares, which, first of all, I think share buybacks are just really dark. No company should, only in exceptional circumstances, do a share yeah. buyback because, yeah. you know, you. Sh- the market will set the price. It will always correct it in the end. Use your money to do invest and grow the business. But every time IP Group buy back in shares, what they're actually doing is increasing their exposure to Oxford Nanopore. Now, as a shareholder of IP Group, I don't want that because Oxford Nanopore is going down. So every time they do a share buyback of their own shares, they should theoretically sell an equivalent amount of Oxford Nanopore to keep the balance. It's just logic. But they don't do it. And it's a really big fundamental mistake by IP Group. Uh-huh. Because IP Group is slowly becoming more and more like Oxford Nanopore. And that's not what shareholders want. Reality is IP Group needs to do a deal and merge with somebody yeah. or get taken over, as we yeah. talked about in yeah, the past. The right. yeah. sooner that happens, the better. And that's probably it. I think it is. There you go. <laughs> We're it. back again. Uh, we managed to waffle our way through a good 25 minutes there. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it, as usual. You, uh, you got any messages, do send them to us. You want us to talk about anything, just tell us. We'll be happily bribed. You can do anything with us. It's pretty, uh, we're total, total um, tarts, as they say. Anyway, thank you very much, Phil. We'll speak again next week. <laughs> I look forward to chatting there, Andrew. This podcast has been produced and edited by VSA Capital. It is intended for information purposes and not as investment advice. The information is intended for recipients who understand the risks associated with equity investments in smaller companies. Please do your own research and do not rely on a single source when making an investment decision. VSA Capital may derive fees from this content and seeks to do business with the companies mentioned.